The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. It's a privilege to be in this spot, in this church this morning. Let me also add, in the 15 months or so that we've been a part of this church, it's also been a privilege every Sunday morning to be in one of those positions. We've really enjoyed our time being a part of, of Parramatta Christian Church and thank you, Pastor Hillary, for the opportunity of being in this position today. Now, there we go. We're going chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians and today, I have the privilege of talking about Ephesians chapter 2. So if we can have that next slide, please. Because that next slide uh, shows me as truly certified to be speak, preaching about the book of Ephesians today. <laughs> because I bought that hat and it's there in my bag. Will we auction it for missions afterwards? Uh, <laughs> I bought that hat in Ephesus that morning on the 9th of October 2022, just three months ago. I'd lost my hat in the bus the day before and I knew there was going to be a lot of walking in the sun that day and I'd bought a really ornery hat, I'm not going to describe that, at a supermarket overnight and I got off the bus and there was a hat that might work and I bought it. And that's it. But if you look closely, you'll see that behind me is the stadium where the Ephesian people complaining about Paul were shouting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. That was the spot. Uh, so I was down at the front uh, with, a, uh, with the background of the, of the stadium itself. So um, it's kind of interesting but that's not my only encounter with the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians is a book that I have got so much out of to help me with ministry and with life over all these years. Now, quick summary. We had a good summary of this graphically last week. But the fact that uh, the, the letter to the Ephesian Christians was written by the Apostle Paul. He lived in Ephesus for two to three years, established the church there, saw significant impact in the surrounding region, very significant in fact. Then he was forced out of town as his ministry disrupted the business model of the artisans who made models of the gods and models of the temple, which many people were not interested in now that they had become Christians. That's why I took my photo standing at the base of the Grand Theatre where that riot had occurred. Now, Many years later, Paul is under house arrest awaiting trial in Rome. This is because Jewish leaders were trying to kill him for spreading the message about Jesus. So he appealed to the Roman legal system. Uh, he was a Roman citizen. So he could be tried on those allegations under Caesar's chair. Uh, and now he's in, ha in house arrest waiting for that to take place. And he writes his epistle to the Ephesians. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 reminds me of a statement, the total chapter, reminds me of a statement which I hope was a joke. 
the statement was, the world is made up of three, three kinds of people. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who say, what happened? <laughs> the point is, there's many themes in this one chapter alone that if we're not careful, could, uh, could seem disconnected and leave us asking, what happened? Because there's so many mega themes tied together through this one chapter. Uh, and when I make that statement, let me draw in a perspective to illustrate that. Ephesians chapter 1, psst, I'm not allowed to talk about that today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 has an incredible description of the non-negotiable victory of Jesus over the spirit world beings and structures. So, wiping our spiritual lips ready for the next course of our biblical meal, we turn to the description of humankind in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And we think we turned too many pages, went the wrong way, and ended up in the book of Lamentations. <laughs> and we are heading for serious punishment. That's what it feels like, those first couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 2. Wouldn't you agree? It looks disastrous. And do we have those verses available for us? If we do, that'll be great. I'll grab my page and I'll read it uh, directly. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So that's the picture that we have at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2. It looks disastrous. However, in summary, it helps us to see that humankind, left to their own devices, are not left to their own devices. Do you need an explanation? What have we just read? The spirit forces behind pulling the puppet strings on humankind thinking they're left to their own resources. When in fact, they're not left to their own resources. We are in a cosmic battle between God and opposing cosmic forces. We need to remember that at all times. While, while we are looking for a way to escape the concept of those verses we've just read, thankfully we didn't stop and we read on to verses 4 and 5. And we discover two great Bible words that evoke both relief and awe. And we could summarize our response to those words with two words. 
the first of those words is, and the second of those words is, wow. The needs hand action. The wow needs hand action. I need your cooperation. Are you ready? (laughs) Mercy is what's driving the first response. Are you ready? Hand extended. That's, that's our response to mercy. And our response to grace, wow. And so that is not a bad summary of Christian theology right there, would you think? Wow. That's a life worth living for. That's a, worth li- a life worth dying for. All of the above. Summarized in those two words. Wow. And when we say, wow. What we're talking about is mercy links to I deserve the punishment I'm about to get, but I didn't get it. That's mercy. Grace links to wow, I I don't deserve this blessing, but God is giving it to me anyway. How do you summarize your Christian theology? Are you ready? One, two, three. Wow. (laughs) It's not a bad summary right there. And it is living with the exhilaration of those two words that makes us want to read on to find out what God is doing here in this chapter and what we should do in response. What should we do? Well, the good news is nothing. Because... It's all been done. The blessings we are receiving are given or graced, you could say, by the amazing work of Jesus on our behalf. So that's why I say nothing to do. But don't be fooled by the simplicity of that because there's a lot to do. But it's not a lot to do to earn our salvation. It's a lot to do to outwork the wow opportunities that we have uh, to make the wow gospel available to other people as well. Now, verses 11 to 18 describe in detail how God, through through Jesus' sacrificial death, broke down the wall that existed between Jews and Gentiles, and probably most of us here fit the category of Gentiles, not Jews, If there are some Jews, maybe we ought to be acknowledging and honouring them uniquely. Uh, But most of us probably fit the category of Gentiles, that's me included. Or any other walls of hostility that separate us from God's mercy and grace. Those verses summarise the death and resurrection of Jesus and how he provided that for us. And in verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. And you can see, if we translate all this back into the modern world in which we live, you can see God's statistical wisdom in this as well. On the 22nd of November, 2022, 
I just managed to finish counting the total world population and it turned 8 billion that day. No, sorry, I'm misquoting. I didn't do the counting. But the United Nations figures identified end of November 2022, we became 8 billion people on this planet. At about that time, the total number of Jews was about 16 million. If the, if the message had stayed as a message for Jews only, how much of the world would have been impacted? But the fact that uh, God's purpose was to create one new humanity out of the two and made it possible for all of us to participate in that, it means then uh, that these days, many nations in the world who don't have a history of being strongly Christian or even strongly Christian influence, nations like China, Iran, Nigeria, Papua New Guinea and many others have seen large numbers of people become followers of Jesus, accepting God's free offer, with Australia also being significantly impacted, even though our media does not seem to notice. But if you actually track what's happened from a Christian influence point of view in Australia, again, it's very, very significant indeed. But while we don't need to do anything to purchase our salvation, and all of God's excited people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, we find that we are involved in God's plan as we receive the eternal life which he offered. We've been adopted as his children, have been formed into one new unified humanity through Christ. And verses 6 and 7, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, there's two aspects of this that I want to unwrap, if you don't mind. I think we've got a diagram coming up on screen in just a moment. Did it? Okay. In the verse that I've just read, there is a key word which is incomparable. So, what is incomparable? Riches of his grace is incomparable. And what are we going to compare it to? Well, can you get the point that Paul strongly advised against that? Because if you try, is it going to work, yes or no? No, it's incomparable. So if you say to yourself, bottom line in the diagram, you say to yourself, ah, I've got a great idea. I think I ought to do this. That'd be even better than giving people the gospel. That would be even better than rejoicing in God's grace. I've got a better idea. Because of that fixed line called incomparable, the better idea you come up with, does it undermine the top line or does it push the top line even higher? Because if you find things you can compare with it, it's still incomparable, so it simply pushes the top line higher. That helps us to see how significant through all eternity is the wonderful blessings that we have received through Christ. 
And this verse captures the statement that in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, when the term display is used, that would indicate that we, in eternity, are going to be demonstrating something to someone not in that privileged place in eternity. And as I understand it, Satan, whose original name was Lucifer, an archangel, in pride rebelled against God, aiming a takeover. As a result, he is in, and his forces were cast out of heaven and will one day be punished for eternity. They, watch the words here, they, in perfect circumstances, fell into rebellion. But we, by God's grace, have lived with God and for God through all sorts of less than ideal circumstances. And because God's grace takes us through that, we become showpieces for all eternity of the fruit of God's grace in humankind. Anybody volunteering to be one of those showpieces? Which means the next time you have an opportunity to go through a really tough time supported by God. Mm, how exciting is that? Because what are you doing? You're just painting another banner to show for all eternity. A banner about the wow message that is encapsulated for us. And is there anything else? Ah, I'm pleased you asked. Because first of all, Paul said, verse 8, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Two weeks ago, at PCC's New Year's Day service, I listened with interest as Graham Davidson referred to this statement. Is Graham here tonight, today? Okay, I can probably get away with it then. Is this being recorded? Oh, my God. But, but I loved what he said. Words something like this. No matter what age or stage of life we are in, to quieten ourselves enough to be able to understand that we are not God's sculptures, we are his handiwork, but created to fulfill God's uniquely planned activities that in reality only we as individuals can do. And implying that this was his goal for 2023, as I think it would be great to have as a goal for all of us as well. Anybody voting with me right there? So if Graham comes to get me, you're all on my side, right? <laughs> <clears throat> now, I'd like to lead you on a journey. And I notice that time has already got away. Um, I trust you'll enjoy the journey with me, though. 
And if I put a big enough label on this journey, I'm sure you'll doubly enjoy it. I want to call this journey a metaphor of metamorphosis. That was worth staying in for, wasn't it? Gotcha. Um, Verse 18, Paul tells us that through what Jesus has done, we have become fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And then suddenly, from being his household, we become a building. That's, that's the metamorphosis I'm talking about. Because one doesn't cancel out the other. We, it's kind of us uh, expressed in two different ways. Household, but also a building. Phase one, as fellow citizens and members of his household, this talks to me about head and heart attitudes. Any parents here? Any people who have been children at some time here? You know what it's like in a family? There's the unwritten rules. And that includes also unstated rules. Because when mum gets that look, it doesn't need a statement, does it? You see what I mean by household? It's a community, known, loved. The good days, the bad days, we're still here together. A household, that's the body of Christ. That's what, what, that's what uh, Jesus was bringing together. So we willingly become part of these relational elements, not just receiving the benefit of those blessings, but willing to share this with others as well. But then we discover that we're being transformed from just being the household to being a very unique building, which in fact, Paul says, is a temple. The foundations of that building are the apostles and prophets, Paul says. Translating that into modernese, if that's a language, uh, I would assume that it also means the word of God. Because how do we know about the apostles and prophets? It's the word of God. And... Are there modern-day prophets as the gifts, uh, as the ministry gifts of Christ uh, operate? Are there modern-day prophets? Are there modern-day apostles, etc., etc.? Are there the gifts of the Spirit, where words of wisdom, words of knowledge? This is a dynamic foundation. Is the point I'm getting at? It's not just static, and the building itself is not just static. And this is the part where my geometry and my architecture just do not work because Jesus is the cornerstone of a building that's still being built and built at an incredible rate. Uh, Samuel, I'll get you to explain that dynamic to me sometime (laughs) and uh, Ron can back you up if you like. (laughs) It's not meant to make physical sense. It's describing a spiritual phenomenon and the temple is the opportunity where which we together worship God and the building represents safety and strength and I think that represents us reaching out to others 
who need the safety and strength of being in the body of Christ. So in conclusion today, can you see in this chapter God is faithful to us? How about you describe it for me? Are you ready? One, two, three. wasn't thoroughly convincing. Um, this time I'll count to four, let, to, let you get geared up a little more. Are you ready? One, two, three, four. Wow. <laughs> awesome. We're getting it. And so <clears throat> we can see in this chapter God is faithful to us and this evokes a response from us, wouldn't you agree? We want to be faithful in pursuing God. Anybody voting for that? Are you getting that from this chapter today? Uh, faithful in obeying him. Are we getting that from this chapter today? Faithful using what he has given us for his purposes. Amen. And faithful continuing the mission that he has entrusted to us. As we anticipate the wonderful adventures in God that we still have coming our way, if we happen to notice that some of our responses as we've listened to some of these things have indicated maybe not fully going all the way as we might be able to, I'd love us to take a moment of reflection as I, as I close. A reflection either resulting in a pen of praise or a quiet moment asking God for his help. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you've represented in this chapter, which is such an amazing picture. And Lord, I pray that this chapter of Ephesians will become one of our favorite chapters as it continues to speak to us about your mercy, about your grace, and the way it's outworked. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.